Welcome to the Swedish Junior Hockey Podcast. Jacob Dahlin, your host here. Today, we're going to talk about Canadian juniors and specifically about Brooks Bandits, uh, AJHL, uh, their skill coach, Kel Kevin Yellowaga. Welcome to the uh, podcast. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for having me. This episode is brought to you by Scandlux, your home for Scandinavian luxury products for the U.S. market. You can find us at scandlux.com. So let's give the the background a little bit. Got introduced to you, I think, through my friend Paul Strand that played some ball hockey with you and, and played university hockey against you. He's Alberta guy. So that's how I got connected with you early on. Yeah, Paul's a Paul was a good player here in Canada too. So you kind of you get to know everybody. He's a couple years, couple years younger than me and and uh, certainly a more physical player than me, but he, he came, some guys come into their own in university hockey too. And I'm sure he was a good point producer when he was younger, but he, uh, he took off in university similar to a way that I took off in university in terms of, you know, now the game's making sense and you're preparing all week to play on the weekends. And you, you all of a sudden kind of get this second, second life. And we were both getting a lot of points, uh, in university for sure and enjoying it. And, and that led into some, some ball hockey games and stuff. And in, in Alberta at the time, you know, it, it seems like a lot of the young guys wanted to go for a ball hockey championship too, was a big deal. So that well, we would have crossed paths a few times for sure. Well, let's, we'll talk about ball hockey in a second. Cause, cause uh, not a lot of people in the U S talk about ball hockey. I mean, I grew up playing, uh, playing, Everybody in Sweden plays one form of ball hockey, but it's more on the snow with a tennis ball. And I remember <laughs> it was three of us brothers. So when somebody had to be the goalie and you take your winter coat and you put a pillow on the inside of it and you got a blocker and a glove and then you yeah, put, yeah. put your regular helmet on with a, and then regular shin pads under your ski, ski pants and, and, uh, and, and a regular hockey helmet with a visor with a with the cage and you're good to go yeah exactly uh, the, the shots on the arms hurt the worst because you didn't have any didn't have any pads there for sure yeah not a lot of padding but uh but let's go back a little bit you're from from manitoba but i guess how did you end up manitoba which is let me see here it's east of alberta right yeah, way east, way east Manitoba is, and closer. Oh yeah, to, you got Al you got Alberta closer, closer, and closer to where the Winnipeg Jets are, and north of that. My dad was a miner, so kind of just moved a lot when we were younger, even like when I was just born and and years years uh, one to six years old, moving around a lot. But my dad even he worked in the mines with Reggie Leach's dad. So he would tell me lots of stories that way. We eventually, that brought us out to Vancouver and, and the mines did and dad mining. And then his, uh, his cousin lived in Medicine Hat and that brought us to Medicine Hat when I was just six years old and, and not joking, Trevor Linden was like my next door neighbor. So he's a couple years, he was a year younger than me in in growing up in the hat. And so that kind of, yeah, Medicine Hat really started the hockey for me. But in between stops, yeah, born born in Manitoba, 
we moved to Vancouver and, and there were, there was some mining in, in Coquitlam and Squamish at the time. And, and then dad got us when I was six years old, we were already in, in Alberta for the rest of it. And in medicine hat. Yeah. So medicine hat is in Alberta. Yes. And okay. it's even, even crazier. Cause now my son's only uh, 15 years old and he's billeting out in medicine hat to play hockey this year. So it, well, I it saw kind that. Of feels I'll, I'll... like home to me. So, so yeah. what's awesome about elite prospects is the, you know, you could see, so I pulled up Nate 08 player. Uh, and I was going to ask about that because uh, yeah. this is kind of the year for it. it tell, you tell me, because I'm not as familiar with, and I think it's cool to talk about is this his draft year. Oh gosh. We went through it all last year, was and, it last year? and it is as you know, matter how much I could tell you I'm involved in hockey and I've, I've worked with Braden Point along the way. He was in my academy and Kale McCarr. I saw him at seven and eight years old. As much as I tell you, I've been around hockey. Nothing really prepares you for that. Like I, I wasn't stressed about it, but the stress that it puts on kids is the noise and all that. It, it was, it was a tough, it makes it a tough year. Yeah. What? For kids. What and what we're talking about for those who don't know, when we're saying the draft year for a 15 year old, that's the OHL draft in, in for Canada. 14 for WHL. Yeah. Oh, for four. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So the OHL being 15 and the WHL being 14. And, and they have umpteen ranking sites. And I, I kind of knew my son would be talked about for sure. And we had to go through all that process. And, it's it's difficult and ultimately you know you want your son to draft as high as he can and i knew he was he was rated in the first round and ultimately i i just i always i believe in long term development so i i thought you know for him and and in talking with him and what he's been exposed to that college made a lot more sense so as soon as that happened Yes, they were still interested, but then he he drafted later, and yep, uh, yep, yep, and the and eventually the Brooks Bandits signed him, of course. So yeah, so that's the other thing. So he's already twenty four, twenty five commit to Brooks, or or is yeah. that or how does it work? Let's talk about that because we can use your son as an example <laughs> because I think it's educational. It is. The, it the, is good the, learning. The, Talk about because I don't know enough about it, and 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 I'll I'll tell you, kind of the reason why we started this podcast was when my son went to Sweden last year. I didn't nobody I didn't know anything about Swedish juniors, even though I grew up there. And then nobody over here knows anything about Swedish juniors. So so that this was a and there was no podcast about Swedish juniors. So that's why why we, we why I started this. And then the one that's learned the most has been me. <laughs> And hopefully some people have, have learned about it, but, but then we've talked about um, a lot of it's morphed into then talking about for the Swedish audience about what's it like for juniors in the U S and then we ended up having some guests on uh, about the BCHL. But one of the issues about AJHL where Brooks is Europeans are currently not eligible to play unless they have been, playing there for i think what is it three years uh, okay that's kind of the the way in if you're european yeah yeah uh, no certainly you see more 
in the Western League and there's an import draft. And I I just know that in the AJHL, you you don't see a lot of them. I know on our Brooks team, though, we had we were we had special permission to have two players from the Ukraine play for us. And that was super, that's super unique. And one of them still playing with us. And that's okay. a really, really unique situation as well. But explain, there's this term that, that frankly, I'm not as familiar with, and that is the, the, uh, the cards. What is the cards in Canadian juniors? Um, yeah. I don't know enough about the cards, like, um, and protected lists and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm sure the bandits are allowed to have a certain number of like the AJHL is allowed to have a certain number of rostered players and then yep. a certain amount of carded players as well. But I don't even, I wouldn't be the right guy to ask about the numbers and, and how all that works. Yep. Um, but a carded, just, a carded player means that they're a rostered protected player, right? Yes. Yes. But yeah, Carded meaning protected, yeah. But I like I say, I don't know enough about the rules. So WHL, you sign a you sign a contract and you you belong to them. So yeah. AJHL, you're you're within Hockey Canada. They probably, along with their twenty protected players, they can probably card card some extras and. Yeah whether they're on the team or not, but they belong to you. So correct. But they have, so you can't all, have 40. That's all Brooks gets. Like we don't get to draft. So you're, you know, I'm sure you're always recruiting kids and hoping that, that some of them land on your, it, at your camp and, and eventually sign a card with you. Yes. Yeah. So in, in terms of Nate's, uh, you know, he's an 08, he's only 15. Yeah. Right. And the junior eligibility in Canada, in AJHL, you can play all the way till in the North American Hockey League, you can play all the way to 20, but you can't be 21 at 1231 of the calendar. How's it right. like in in AJ? Similar in AJ, like my my son's a 15 year old. So he's as an affiliate to the bandits, he's allowed to play five games with them. And that's all that and the same in the WHL, any of his buddies. Um, that are drafted they're allowed five games as a 15 year old and then they can they can play all of 16 all of 17 18 19 and 20 um, so technically next year that, when, when he year. comes to brooks yeah he can play 16 17 18 19 and 20 he could play five years there he could yeah 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 i mean that's a long long period yeah. and yeah and, and same in the whl yeah and the yeah. same in the whl yeah and but let's so if we go and we'll talk about we can we can go there right away. I mean the AJHL. So let's talk about junior A first. So you have the you have the major juniors, which is going to be the OHL, WHL, and the Q. And then yep. under that, in terms of the Canadian junior system, you used to have BCHL. If I go west coast to east coast, you have BCHL, you have AJHL. SJHL. S, S, J, I, what is it, S, I, J, H, L, or SJHL? SJHL, yeah. And then you have MJHL. Yeah. And then you have CCHL. Then it gets a little harder. 
there's probably a few in Ontario. Like there's probably the OJHL. Oh, the O. Oh, I forgot about OJ. Yeah. Yeah. So there, I don't. Yeah. And but but all of those, excluding then the BCHL that broke off from from Hockey Canada. Mm. Uh, so out of these, not every one of them is as strong as the other. Right. The leagues aren't as strong as the other. That's. Yeah, it's it's so hard to say. Like I've been around this business long enough that I would think there's three or four teams in each league that are that are strong. Like they're yeah. they you can't compare. Like I I just don't think you could really anybody can really say. I mean, I mean if if I wanted to to be boastful, like Brooks has won the Canadian Championship a few times, and all they haven't faced is BC. Well. I'm sure BC strong and I'm sure their champion would have a great series with us too, you know, and, and yeah. And vice versa. Like there it's, it's yeah. And there's strong teams in Saskatchewan and there's strong teams in Manitoba and stuff. So I don't know. And I, I asked a guy further, like, you know, where, where do, where would Brooks fit in the USHL? Because that's another kind of, uh, league and it's intriguing and it's similar to the WHL and it's similar to the AJHL. And, and these NCAA scouts told me, you know, Brooks would be fine in the USHL. There's just more teams like Brooks in that league. So, so in depth, in depth, you could talk depth always, you know, maybe the USHL has a little more depth and, and uh, I'm sure that BC League has some depth to it as well. And I, I feel like the Alberta League, we have pretty good depth. Like there's more parity, it seems across the board because there's more leagues too. So, but but if you look at the roster for, you know, for some reason, I they're they're great when they're posting these. You know, if you follow on social media, the games for every whether it's USHL or 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 AJHL, they post the rosters and then right next to. So what we'll see with 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 Nate in the future, he's going to be listed, and he's either going to be a starter, or he's going to be healthy scratch, or he's going to he's going to be on there somewhere, and he's going to be here's number six, Nate Yellowaga, right? And it'll say, is he a commit to college? And if you look at the current roster with Brooks on this, the guys that are playing for Brooks, oh, it yeah. is it is packed. They're all D1 commits in 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 US D1 NCAA. That's yeah, that's exciting. I mean and and again with there being no draft um you know and and the history within Brooks now like there a lot of teams that have college prospects want their kids to come and play in Brooks and I I'm I'm lucky enough to be a skills coach. I I certainly don't take credit for how talented these kids are like, man, I I'm getting to work with some really talented kids when they arrive. And I hope that I, I, I give them a little bit of uh, knowledge and growth in their game while they're there, but boy, oh boy. Yeah. When your team has already players committed and, and we even had a, a drafted NHL prospect this year that was at Brooks camp like that, I've never even, that's never happened. Like, I'm like, wow, this is, it's pretty impressive in, in that regard. I mean, yeah. Well, one just, that has gotten a little bit of press uh, is this guy, Cale McCarr. Have you ever <laughs> heard of him? 
<laughs> oh boy. And that, then it just snowballed. Yeah. That was I, it, so interesting. Cause there you would have your biggest example in hockey, like kale, kale was small and, and the WHL and the medicine hat taggers, you know, rightfully so said, you know, he's probably a late pick. Like he's awfully tiny. He's good. We know he's skilled, but he's awfully tiny. So we'll take him really late in the eighth round. Like we don't know, like 250th, he's about the 250th best 14 year old right now. And, and Ryan has our, our head coach in Brooks has such an eye and he just watched him once in, in warmups. And, and this kid was so unique and twitchy and, you know, he could see some of those things and, and some of these coaches that, that don't get, uh, biased or, or whatnot, they, they want offensive and, and unique type players. And Ryan is no different. I'm sure he saw a lot of unique traits in kale. And, and then it was just a, probably about approaching the family and seeing if, if maybe a different choice of route would interest them. And it would have been crazy because kale right around that time. Now he's not a, quite as big of a secret and, and and Medicine Hat's probably hoping he would sign with them as well. But ultimately, he got called up to Brooks, I think, and played some playoffs as a 16-year-old and then all of 17. And he had a late draft year, so his he drafted at 18. But uh, it just took off. And not that it was never there, because I saw him when he was eight and nine years old. He would have been, you know, the third best D on his team, on his local team in town, you know. Um in Bantam, he was okay. He would have been again the middle middle slotted defenseman on a triple A team, but he didn't make triple A in his first year, even. And but he his belief and and his freedom in his mind and his enjoyment of the game was super high always. So, and then a lot of these dads that advise me, they used to say, make sure he's having fun, make sure he loves it. Yeah. And I think he truly, he, he fit that criteria. He didn't have any kind of a special skills coach growing up. I know he did some good power skating and things like that, but the rest of the game was in his mind and, and his confidence about what he could do to be really unique. And and when that kind of meshed together for him, he just went on a mission. What yeah. was his compete level even back then? Well, he had lots of swagger, like swagger and cockiness. Like I, I feel like I don't want to speak for him. I watched him pretty closely and I think he had cockiness and swagger. He would, and he also fit the criteria of he may, he would make a lot of mistakes in a game. I, you know, I don't know what his plus minus would be, but he made mistakes. Like he wasn't perfect, but he was trying, trying unique stuff. Like he was uh, jumping up. He was, good. he was very offensive. So in his trying i'm gonna say like he figured out a lot of stuff i'm gonna i'm i i think because even in the bandits with us he still would make the odd mistake and stuff like he he was not a perfect piece and brooks gave him that time i know college that jumped again yeah i had a talk with nhl like general managers right in the rink asking me like like what do you do you think he'll be good or do you think he'll be do you think he was, he was not, he didn't fit the mold, right? He was not the traditional typical back then. Now they're becoming small and slight, like too, they would have believed he was too light and too small to be able to do much. And then they didn't have anything to compare it to. So those scouts get nervous 
because everyone in the Western Hockey League, they can watch all the time. So exactly the example you were talking about, they didn't know how to compare the Western Hockey League with the AJHL. Yeah. So they're like, well, is the WHL way better? Or could this kid, even though he's in a lesser league, people would say, and I, I caution them that if Brooks played in the Western Hockey League, I think they would they would hold their own as well. Yeah. You know, they would be able to handle it. So, you know, they couldn't compare though. They they didn't know how to compare that, even though he got a call to the World Juniors. And even in the World Juniors, then they started him as the seventh D. And they weren't sure how to use him because he's not a not a WHL guy. So that's a it's fascinating. There's your big example of routes and choices. And through all the noise, whatever the leagues are, perform in the league you're in. Um and and work hard and develop and i and i think you you can get there more than anything else so yeah yeah well let's switch a little bit so now we go from you know one superstar to another superstar from north carolina in the raleigh area devin phillips yes so he's, Paul, a, he's a fun one to talk about yeah so really not, fun not as well known as kale mccarr no not at all and 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 <laughs> And I think he came through here and he played in a tournament called the Max Tournament <laughs> that now's the Circle K for U18 players. And I remember it because my brother was in that tournament and Peter Nedved defected from that tournament. So, Ooh. and then there's there's Shattuck has been in it. Uh, Nugent Hopkins has been in it. Uh, so, Crosby so did, has been in it. You know, so, so did, Devin Phillips' did, team... Devin Phillips' team was last place. I think they got beat most games 12-1 in that tournament. And and Ryan and the Brooks Bandits still picked him out, like picked well, him out. So here's the connection to Paul Strand, right? So he played for Paul in the in the he played in the Junior Hurricanes organization uh in Raleigh, played triple A, North Carolina, right? Okay. And but then he played as a 16-year-old in the EHL for Paul's team. He had a junior. EHL junior team. And I think that's the team. So he oh, was okay. an underage player playing EHL. They were a completely new organization trying to get started. And he led the league in the EHL on the worst team by far that Paul coached. And I'm proving think, himself there. So it was still a, it was still junior hockey, but proving himself there. And I need to find. I need to have some conversation with Paul. But if I remember him telling the story, was that either that team was one who went up, or he went up and played on another team in that okay. tournament. But kind of similar too, because let's when we're talking about Devin Phillips, not necessarily the prototype um, player in terms of. I'm going to pull him up just so we can. Uh, so much of like him, like a Rudy Rudiger and. And boy, just wanted to get better though every single day and and really developed right before your eyes, like really took off and really kind of from being an unknown to just saying, I'm I'm gonna will this almost. Like he really, he really did, but he asked great questions, like certainly to me and was keen. But in the games, you talk about doing all the Brad Marchand things or going to all the hard areas and Boy, this kid just found his found his way and and, and he, became a consistent player. He's five nine one seventy. Oh yeah, and, and back played, then, plays, back then he's, he's tough. He's a he's a he's a uh, 
but I remember Paul talking about like when he made the leap was when he decided to pl- to, to 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 be uh, diligent in the weight room, and then the ability to then play a different game opened up all kinds of stuff. But but again, it's kind of like picking out. Uh, nobody wanted him. He he tried yeah. out tried Unreal. out all, and they're like, no, don't want him. And then he went up to Canada, got on Brooks. And so listen to these stats. Okay. So in, in, in his last year, when he was an alternate captain for Brooks Bandits, winning everything, he had 45 games and 91 points. That wasn't just that year. He had 116 games, 145 points the time he was up there in Brooks. Yeah. Signed with Holy Cross. Uh, I don't know. Let's look and see. Um, he must have been. I don't know if he's hurt. He's only shown up as five games, three points this this season. I'm not sure okay. if he's hurt. But freshman year, true freshman year, 38 games, 18 points in in NCAA D1 for a, a great first year. Yes, yeah, really for a not so good team. Yeah, but but again, he's five five nine one eleven oh five nine one seventy. Uh, what you said, like I I would never want to give you don't want to give kids false hope, but you know, and, 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 and yeah, say, you know, they, like you can, you can play somewhere that you can't, but there is finding the right league for you and somebody giving you a chance and an opportunity. Isn't that a lot of hockey, you know, cause I've seen kids written off too, that for one coach, they're a healthy scratch and he can't even dress them. And yep. for another coach, he's the same kid is 90 points in 50 games. Like that's, an, that's unbelievable. Yep. One guy, he can't even play. And another guy he he's, yeah, it's, it's, a, that's the craziness about hockey. Like it, I guess in its subjective nature, but if you start to know the mindset of kids and I've been lucky enough to know not just their parents, but the mindset of kids I think you would get a lot closer to being more right, but a lot of people don't take that time to, to really know what makes a kid tick. Cause Devin would meet all the criteria of mental toughness and character and things like that too. Yeah. Another yeah. kid that comes to my mind is, is a Swede, um, uh, Lucas Edmonds who played for Kinston front front knocks and, and then he got, he was actually made, he was a third rounder plays now for Syracuse crunch in the AHL. But he was kind of a, you know, not taken off. He was playing in Sweden, got a couple of looks with the national team, but came over to 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 the OHL. Sixty eight games, one hundred and thirteen points. Boom! Wow. And 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 now is, you know, uh, let's see, you know, forty nine games last year, twenty seven points in the AHL. So, but. In the right system. It's funny. We talked about this with other guests on this podcast about, especially for, and kind of, you may may think about this with your son and being the 15-year-old. So in Sweden, when you're 15, it's the time when they are qualifying for the TV puck tournament. Mm -hmm. And then from the TV puck, which is your district, and then the district plays uh against the other districts and then they have a national championship on national televised you know so this was huge back when there was only two channels on tv and everybody watched the tv puck tournament now you can get nhl and but it's still the most 
prestigious hockey tournaments for 15 year olds. But here's my point. From there, the best of the best, to take Rasmus Dahlin as an example. Uh, he was the best defenseman on uh, Jotobori, I think, or Vestjotlands, uh, which was the district. Uh, Vestjotland, that's what it was. And then he ended up being recruited to Frölunda. And if you think about how many NHL players come through, Frölunda has been enormous. But there's a lot of kids that are 15-year-olds that are, is it best for me to be a fourth liner on Frölunda or a first liner in Timro? Right? Just going to the best top team may not be the right bus for you because you're totally. going to be in a seat so far in the back of the bus totally you're not going to flourish yeah and and for me the problem that happens in canada a lot is you kind of have to master each level so if you if you are a guy with five goals and five assists in in bantam triple a as you're in your 14 year old year well, then you shouldn't be, you're not looking to be the, to be on the U18 team and, and you're not going to thrive, you know, so you kind of have to master each level. So I also admire kids and parents that say, okay, we're, we're not on this fast paced trend. We should probably be closer to, you know, accepting a, go to U17 and maybe try and lead there or be in the middle and work my way up. But I think as parents, we get caught up parents can get so caught up in just wanting the the team and the and and the higher division and stuff and it doesn't always work that way neither yeah so let let's go this right now so i know uh brooks went to sweden this summer yeah which was kind of cool i didn't know about it and all of a sudden i see hey they're playing uh it was right at the at the time when i was over there and almost went to to, to watch them, um, but they were in uh, in Karlstad, where Fadiestad, which is a they won the national championship last year, I believe, in the SHL, and their J20 team played with Kolskuga and a team from Norway, Denmark. It was like an international tournament. Mm -hmm. No, uh, yeah, maybe Kolskuga was just playing a an a, a exhibition game before this tournament. But uh, talk about that. Well, I wish I knew more about it. I know how much they enjoyed it and loved every aspect of it. And and as far as uh, and they won uh, it too, right? And they they won it. But as far as it, you know, was it a good test? Did it did it bring the group together? Did they did they learn uh, learn more about the culture? Did they learn more about their team and? and and do a lot of uh team building while they were there and you know i was i only watched more on 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 tv of course but i couldn't believe for just having like a two-week training camp before the bandits went they really looked in mid-season form but like again the bandits have a lot of really smart kids and then with the ice being a little bigger and the bandits being a good skating team i think they just they they kind of rose up even another level. Like I'm like, you're playing some good hockey and it's only exhibition season. So it was surprising to me 
And then when I talked to the coaches, they enjoyed it so much that they would, they would be enthusiastic about possibly trying it again. Like they really liked it. Yeah. yeah. And, they, and so they were playing against Fariestad J20 national team, which, which arguably is one of the top programs in, 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 in Swedish juniors. I mean, you have J20 national and then right underneath there is J20 region division one, division two. Okay. And there's, and there's only the SHL teams that has J for the most part, um, all the SHL teams, j20 teams have an automatic spot in that and then there's a few like three or four other teams that uh are in there like your gordon which is in stockholm they don't have an shl team but they're in j20 national um and um but fariestal is a powerhouse i mean that's where hokan lube came from if you're a calgary guy who scored yeah, 50 goals and still got the most goals in the in the nhl by swede yeah and, uh, you know, that's my, that's my, when I was a kid, he was, uh, him and he actually oh, had, good. he actually had two brothers that all three played for Fariestad growing up. And, um, and, and they've been a powerhouse for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. But that was the competition that, 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 that Brooks was playing and, and, and beat him. So, um, uh, I think that, and and it's funny when we talk about this, like, well, you know, when I have kids on from Sweden, they're playing in the Nall or Sweden, like um, uh, um, that are playing in the BCHL. How does it compare? And everybody will say, well, it's so different, right? The game is completely different. Um, so when you have these teams that are playing against each other, it is a completely different game. Uh, but uh, it would be so fun to have a USHL team. I think USHL would would would, I mean, more international tournaments, but with a with a full team or a null team, that you know, null you may have a it's all twenty year olds, and then you got the USHL where they're all seventeen year olds, and then you got AJHL which has sixteen and twenty year olds in here. You know, no, I agree. Like uh, that would be more like the Champions League in soccer. Or yeah, they could. They could ultimately all meet. Like I, I watched a guy do all the rankings of the leagues and stuff. And like I say, they're, they're pretty close. Like he, there's good, there's good strong points about each league. And I think it's finding the, the right fit, but it is, it's intriguing. Like how do you like going for the Brooks bandits going over there blind? Um, I'm sure the learning curve was high, but they, they, uh, they, they had some unique circumstances, like just, not just only the ice size, but travel and, and everything like, so they, they rose up to all that. So I'm sure for them, it's a, it was a, a great learning experience. And I think it helped them along They're They're ticking along pretty good right now in, in league play and stuff like that. But it was, uh, it was unique. Like I just haven't seen that in a long time that, that they would take that opportunity again. And, and again, I think I admire Brooks because they, they take unique opportunities in, in yeah. lots of ways. Like, you, you know, they, they take risks or whatever you want to call it. They just, they think big. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go, let's talk a little bit about your, your, you know, and, and, and cause I'm curious about this too. What's it like with, with Brooks bandit specifically, your, your skills coach, I, I look you up and I'm like, okay, played, played you sports in Canada. Like you're talking about when we were talking about Paul, but, yeah. but then you were a teacher for a long time. And then I guess you decided I'm going to do this hockey thing for not just as a hobby, but 
go out and do it on as a full-time yeah. profession? I, I was pretty into it. Like I say, I, I could show you, yeah, protected lists and stuff at 14. I'm kind of a lead guy and I'm protected with the Lethbridge Broncos. Joe Sackick is protected at 14 and Rod Brindamore is protected at 14. And there's a few other 14s. And, and so I knew I had this talent for hockey, um, but for whatever reason, uh, you know, I dad raised me to be more like uh Nylander or Gretzky than he did to be a tough guy. And so maybe I didn't fit in my choices of, of routes and stuff. So yeah. And, and hockey, you know, you, you get awards and you get recognized and in school teaching, you don't really get recognized. Nobody's going to say who's the best gym teacher in the world and who's the <laughs> best, who's the best phys ed teacher in the world. So I, you know, you didn't get a lot of recognition and, and, and there were certain signs that were telling me to, to maybe go to hockey. And so once I was school teaching a guy that was in my town, in my little town, he said, if Kevin Yellowag is teaching at your school, you should, you should get one of these hockey Canada skills academies. And back then they were just being piloted. Now this hockey Canada skills academies are in most of the schools or in, sorry, not most would be in 50% of the schools or 35% of the schools have a hockey program where the kids can do skills, but it was unknown. TSN came. And when we eventually got one, TSN came and Kelly Rudy filmed us. I, I had to do training with Bjorn Kinding from uh, he's, he's a Swedish was a Swedish national coach of some sort at the time. And he was very heavy into biomechanics and teaching of technical skills. So I learned from him and I was fascinated and I, I had a really good hand eye, like I, I hand eye and, and my skating base was very strong. So I, those things were strong. I could demo things pretty well, but then I started to just study and, 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 and relentlessly study. Like I would study Stamkos's coach and I would study um, Daniel Broberg from the DB hockey factory. I study and, and all these guys, but you got to kind of know who the best guys are. And I, I always believed in balance and athleticism and, and all these, and, and being a good mover and, and you kind of figure things out. Like my friend was a, I'll just go on a couple tangents here. My friend was a third liner on my university team, but he's the strength and conditioning coach for Pittsburgh. So when Crosby gets hurt, he's on the ice with Crosby. And I said, <laughs> you're not, you weren't even a good hockey player. How do you showing Crosby anything? And he said, you know, I, I just make it creative and, and dynamic and give him some ideas and, 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 and kind of have fun with it, challenge his mind a bit. And he said, it's not that hard. And, and I would go watch those flames practices a lot. And so as I'm school teaching, a guy says like, you know, and I've done a couple of Alberta cups now, and I've, I've had some of these top kids, these top 14 year olds play for me as, and, and I'm coaching in those events because I want to stay connected to hockey, but I'm still a school teacher. And then a guy ultimately says, I'll pay you more than you make teaching to come and run my school academy. And my grade seven class had Braden Point in it and Logan Thompson, the goalie for uh, Vegas. And I'm in that academy. There's about eight to 10 other kids that are playing WHL or in Europe uh, in, in Europe even now. 
And so I was like, wow, now I have these really good kids and I really better even study more, even though I was a good player and I was fast, there's got to be more to this hockey than just being fast. So I guess to make a long story, a little bit shorter, I just, just continue to study and, and, and love it. And, and, and at that point when I, it was scary to leave teaching and all the securities that you might have with teaching, but ultimately my passion for hockey, you know, has won out. And I, I continue today to do morning programs. And I, like you say, I've been with the bandits for, for 12 years and I, it's, it's a lot of work. I'm not a, a natural by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I think of my, my work ethic and my studying puts me in a, a decent category and, and, in, in, in the hockey world, so to speak. Yeah. Well, here's what I think is great. Uh, <laughs> it's not the Kale McCarr story, right? Yeah. Those, those you get enough. I mean, you, I'm sure you've gotten quite a bit of notoriety about that, but so I, I, for certain, I don't know how it wasn't deliberate, but I, you know, I try to, I try to dabble in the social media world and, and somehow I subscribe to your, your YouTube channel oh, and I clicked, so I clicked on the, uh, so I get, when you post a video on YouTube, it pops up and it says, ah, oh, Kevin Yellow. So guess what? So it's not about Kale McCarr. Your last video that you posted was not about Kale McCarr, was it? No, probably not. No, no it's about skills for seven-year-olds. Yes, yes, yes. And to yes. me, it's so it's so telling because to me that's, that's what right. I, I I grow up. Uh, I I I mean, I've been coaching here in North Carolina, and 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 it's the it it's so transparent that it's the love of the game or love of the sport. Because if it was anything else, you would not be posting seven year old skills. And this is not like how do you become an NHLer. But it's it's stuff that's really good for a seven year old. But but to me, that is so pure and so honest and so refreshing in the world of social media that is all about fancy parachutes, um, uh, hype videos and and fancy deeks and 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 and, and uh, you know, Michigan goals and stuff like that. I post so much like for like because, again, like a. And they told me this in Sweden. I don't know if it's true. Like you, you cycle through the top coaches go all the way up to, to junior. And then they work their way back down because I, I was always more comfortable with the seven, eight, nine year olds, what you do with them for me, throwing me into junior players. I was nervous. Cause I'm like, they're, they're, they're going to be better than me. Like I, I can't keep up to this or they, they're too good. Like they're, they're, they're going to know that I, you know, that I'm not the guy or whatever. I was just had this anxiety about it, but like my friend helped me through that. And then you get to work with them and you realize that it's a lot about the fundamentals, but why I post even stuff of, I, I, I shared one with my friend the other day, we have our dog on the ice and we're just playing give and go. My son's three years old and we're just playing give and go around the dog like just creating these stimulating environments for kids is, is important and athletic environments and allowing them to do other sports. And I I could go on a tangent of that, but I like to share ideas of what a, what a free and fun and thinking environment would be for kids. Cause hockey gets, 
at seven years old, they're just, they're racing for pucks. And we think whoever can race and win that puck is going to be the best player at 14. And, and there's just, there's so much more to it and so much more to development and, and, and the golden age of learning they say is 10 to 12. And I really believe how we help kids and stimulate their minds and build athletes at six, seven, eight, nine, that's your real window for development. And I'll take that a step further. So I'll rarely, I think Kale's in one picture on my website, like, but I don't ever say I, I made Kale McCarr. I got to work with him at eight years old. I was, it was fun. I, it was, I was lucky. I got to see what that looks like, but it wasn't skill stuff. His dad wanted me to work on team things and habits and details. And, and I didn't make Kale McCarr all those things you do when you're younger is, is what helps make the kid. And then you hope that maybe you, you stimulate them or help their minds a little bit and stuff like that to, to help them along the way. And Braden point, same thing at 12 years old, Braden points. If he never had another skills coach, Braden points going to make it. And I know some people don't believe in, in talent or 1%, but I've seen the 1% that does go through and they will go through They're They're, they're born that good. Like, mm-hmm. yes, they need to train, but they're born that good. But you're right. The stories that I'm the most proud of, like I've taken a player that's completely pulled himself out of minor hockey. And I was his only skills coach, his only skills coach and his dad. And he made the WHL at 15 years old and played playoffs. And he's rated in the NHL draft this year. That I'm more proud of. There's sometimes you're lucky to get kids that you cross paths with and you've, you've worked with them and you, you do give them some ideas, but you, I very, I hesitate to say I made that kid or I, I was a big part of that pretty small part of kale, even even though he was with the bandits for two and a half years, I probably spent more time with them than some other guys that say they, they, they made kale, you know, but but isn't that what coaching is all about, right? Yeah. I mean, coaching, yeah. coaching, you coaching is mentorship. Coaching is, is yes. coaching is challenging, but it's, it's about, uh, <laughs> I, I go back to a story that Paul Strand told me when I was, you know, I was such a low level coach at youth hockey tier two here. And, and, but I had a kid and I called Paul and I was like, look, I got this kid and you know, he coughs and throws pizzas all the time. And, I don't know. Maybe he's going to be, he's going to be a better forward and he wants to play defense. And he, he looked at me and he said, we were on the phone and he said, well, aren't you the coach? Best advice that he, that I, most people have said, you know, he's basically looking at, at me and said, well, isn't that your job is to help help them them get better, not to throw pizzas, you know, help them to find their way. Yes. And I did a good job of that. Like with Braden point, I was able to challenge him. I didn't set the bar down here for him. I set the bar. Here's another challenge for you. For Kale, here's another challenge for you. And yeah. it didn't take long with Kale before, though. I started saying to the other guys, you need to watch how he does his fake and how he slides on this edge. So you also learn from them. So that makes me a better coach. I'm learning from him, but I'm also trying to find ways to challenge them. So yes, one thing we do as coaches too is where we set the bar and in your example how can we help them along the way maybe it's a 
finding a new position. Maybe Kale would have been better as a forward. We don't know. Like, yeah. how do we help them mentally and help them along the way? And we're a small part of that because ultimately these guys do it themselves. Like Braden Point is special. Kale is pretty special. Like, yeah. And they're luck that all those kids have a good upbringing too. It's true what they say in hockey. Like most of them that do go through, you know, my wife the other day said she started seeing some of these NHL players making a few mistakes or poor decisions. And she said, but does that Crosby guy ever make any of those? And I said, I, you know, he really doesn't the good ones. And yeah. Joe Sackick, who's my age, he, he had his head on right at a young age. And so you know, my wife always says, I, I wish the parents put as much energy into their schoolwork as they did their hockey, you know? And, <laughs> and so I think, you know, you need both parts for these kids, you know, if that's some bit of advice I could give too. Well, let's, let's round out with that because I think that with, with this question and that is, um, you know, we always ask every guest this, and that is what you met yourself at 17, now, you're a few years behind be, beyond that me too but but yeah. but you know you've you picked up a few things along the way but yes. if you had if you know especially now you're a dad of, of, of a player that's 15 but what things would you have do you know now that you wished you would have known back then um what would what advice would you give yourself at 17? Gosh, for myself, it would be just to, to just not worry about so many things that you can't control. Like, you know, like just, 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 you just worry a lot. I think as a young kid and stuff, lots of worry, lots of, you know, yeah. Trying to, to impress, impress mom and dad and, and these kinds of things or I don't know, just, just just yeah just i think again if it was advice i i would calm things down and slow things down too not not be in such a rush that would be my biggest one so all that anxiety became because i'm rushing and i wanted to be drafted at 17 so i got caught in in a rush and then i'm trying to get drafted but there's a lot of fighting in my league and 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 you needed to fight back then and stuff and i I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't trained that way. And, and uh, just different. I just wouldn't rush. I would be really, really patient and, and, and enjoy things more and not get caught up in the whole race of, of hockey and the noise of drafting and, and things like that. And, and, and yeah, just make good decisions. I, I ultimately, I played my best hockey. What I learned is, what I read in every development book is you'll be playing your best hockey at 22, 23. Yeah. So I could, I could brag to you about how great I was at 14 and I was the best in medicine hat. I was better than Trevor Linden, possibly like people would have said, I'm sure I, I sure I produced more and put up more numbers. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter again. You know, you want to be in the game long enough that you can, be playing your best hockey at 21, 22, 23. I'd, I'd flex my muscles and show my dad how big I am at 17. And my dad would say, you're nothing. You're not going to be anything until you're 21, 22. And he's right. And so we're too quick to, to judge kids. But 
I don't know. That's a tough answer because my own story would be so, so different. I, yeah. but it's I, probably, good. Would've, I probably would have learned to fight more when I was younger and not score so many goals, just fight. I would have maybe made it, but. Uh, well, your, your, your answer translates better, better to the audience today, you know? Yeah, uh, for sure. Last thing is we've got a partnership. This is a Swedish, Swedish organization that we partner with called Target Aid, which is targetaid.com. And one of the, one of the emphasis we, we're, this is something we started in year two, which is um, how do we help organizations and clubs get attention with content with fundraising so we had uh this guy who was a hockey guy and coach on and and he uh he's active with his company called target aid so we developed a platform on target aid and every guest that we have on gets to talk gets to mention the team in your heart or the it's called club which means the team in my heart and then uh, and then uh, you'll be posted. Your team and your heart will be posted on my Target Aid platform uh, for content. So, the first Canadian. So, which team is in your heart? Oh wow! Well, yeah. Like for, I don't know. I don't know if you mean it has to be like a a kids team or a a pro team or no. It could be any anything. It's kind of like so. We've had a lot of guests on that says, well, you know, yeah. I play for this organization now, but really the team that, you know, that I consider my team is this and here's why. And, and so it's been a few, a few guys have been, I I thought for sure that, that it was going to be this one because I grew up on that one, but then they're like, no, this is okay. I know what you mean. For me, there would be two, but the, the main one for me would be like when I, when I got to play overseas in Europe for the Tilburg Trappers um, and they're now not in Holland, but they play in, they play in the German league, but they are still the Tilburg Trappers. They might not be, they might've changed the trap Tilburg Trappers. Anyway, they're easy to find in the Netherlands, that team, man, for me to play university and then get a chance to play pro in Europe. And this was right before my dad passed away. And all the memories of just the them embracing me and and getting paid to play hockey and to play overseas, like I'll never forget that in my life. Like I, a lot of guys say, well, you never really made it. And for me, that was that was making it. I wow. I I I played. I got a teaching degree from hockey and uh, at the University of Lethbridge, and I also got to play professional in Europe. And it did feel like, okay, I, I did it. I, I did it. You I absolutely did. did. I mean, that's the <laughs> confirmation that you, that is more important than anybody else. Yeah. It's, it's what you just described. Um, that noise of, you know, got to played one game in the NHL. Sure. That would be awesome, but yeah. that doesn't necessarily. So what, I mean, there's plenty of places, people that play many games in the NHL and, and they don't, you know, it, it didn't mean anything or whatever. So, yeah. And I play, and you talk about leagues. It felt like I was in the NHL, like the Netherlands league. It was the NHL to those people. And I played as hard as I was in the NHL, you yeah. know, so for them, that'll always be a, a pretty big, a pretty big love for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, thanks for bringing that on. Thanks for yeah. coming on. And uh, we're going to have to have you on a, a different time talking about some other topics. Uh, you, you've got so much knowledge in this. And and yeah. hopefully, I mean, our goal here is to inform and educate. And hopefully we've shined some light on AJHL, Brooks. We've talked about some different players and been fun. Well, and just in closing, like in a skill development way, like there are a lot of leaders and and Canada does some good things and we're known as the hockey nation, but I really want to, if I was educating people, I, I think United States do an amazing job as, as well, like a lot of knowledge and, and good things that they're doing in skill development. And I, and for the stuff that I teach, I, I can't, I, I find so many guys from Sweden doing a good job and I'm sure you could say a little bit about everything, but to me that the leaders like are, are some of the things that hockey USA is doing. And some of the things they're doing in Sweden are, are things that people need to keep learning from to make this game stronger. It's not just Canada anymore, you know? So I, I appreciate like just that part of it too, that, that, that it's a world game and a global game. And now everybody's caught up. Like I love Nylander and Jesper Bratt and, and watching these guys, holy smacks, can they ever move, you know? Well, and then the you... families like the Hughes, <laughs> there's another one. Like, how do you get three good kids? Like that's incredible. So all that, I love uh, just studying development and, and how you can help kids. And yeah. it's never just hockey, hockey, hockey. So anyway, that's my my thoughts. Well, yeah. I appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll put an end cap on that and, and we'll have you yeah. back. Sure. Thank you. All Thank right. you so much. I enjoyed it.